go. I'm Christy. <laughs> Cheers. Cheers. <laughs> I like a little like, oh, sound. Yeah. <laughs> Listen, we took accidentally, unintentionally a couple weeks off and now we've forgotten how to do it. Yeah. I was thinking the same thing. Thank you for bearing with us in our impromptu um, absence. Uh, I started a new job and Woo-hoo. then that promptly ate a lot of my time but we're back we're dare i say it better than ever (laughs) listen we're riding high okay we are pumped to talk to you today i'm so excited our book okay we are so freaking hyped um but shall we should we set the scene i i think we should set the scene um to begin we are drinking today dark and stormies which Jordan made mine pretty strong. Uh, so, uh, so get ready for a ride. <laughs> yeah. We've got, we've got a passion project of Indigo and there's liquor involved. So yeah, <laughs> I hope you're ready. <laughs> this is like core to my being what we're going to talk about today. But a dark and stormy is a pretty simple cocktail. Um, so you've got a ginger beer base and then you used spiced dark rum. Wow. Already hit me. Spiced dark rum. <laughs> um, and you pour it over and it makes this really cool color effect. And then you garnish it with a lime. You can put lime juice or simple syrup in it if you want to sweeten up the taste. Um, it's very similar to a Moscow mule. But Christy and I were kind of talking about how it's interesting that the rum kind of cuts the ginger. So it's not as gingery as a Moscow mm-hmm. mule. That was the thing that surprised me the most is I truly went in just assuming it would taste like a Moscow mule, um, which is why I put it. Um, if you find this clip somewhere, you'll see that it's just <laughs> in a mug because it felt right. And then you tasted it and you're like, this isn't a Moscow mule. This isn't right. <laughs> but yeah, that is our selected cocktail. We have set the mood with this. We have set the mood. Let us take you to a dark and stormy night. Okay. Imagine this. You're 12 years old, and some weird stuff has been happening, and the weather's acting weird, right? So weird. So weird. So weird. So weird. Thunderstorms out of nowhere, right? And so you go on a field trip with your school to a museum. Right. And while you're... (laughs) And there's just this teacher that's and the she worst. Sucks. She's she the worst. sucks. Let me go on record and say she sucks. She's actually your nemesis, okay? Dare, um, dare I, I say how it. true that is. Dare I say it? She's kind of a monster. Just, you know, <laughs> just a little bit, you know, just a little bit. And um, then... <laughs> She's actually so much of a monster that you actually end up having to fight her. With a sword? A pen? A pen. That turns into a sword. That turns into a sword. That your other teacher, who you do like, gave you? And then, when you get out, after you've fought your teacher and you win, you get out and the sword's a pen again. And when you give it back to your teacher... He doesn't remember the other chaperone. In fact, no one at your school remembers the other chaperone. You're just being gaslit. 
Oh, you actually over are that. being gaslit. This was one of the things. I'm okay. I'm gonna reel it back in. I'm really- <laughs> so, um, I don't know if we can keep the suspense going any longer. I think it's gonna burst at the seams. So, I am. so, you kindly share with our dear listeners what are we talking about today? Well, ladies and gentlemen, let's get Lydia's. We are gathered here today to talk about the one. The only Percy Jackson. Listen, we have- it's been such a long time coming from the moment that we started talking and daydreaming in this podcast, which by the way, happy one year anniversary. Happy one year anniversary. So it feels really fitting to be doing this as kind of almost like a one year celebration because this was one of our first ideas. When yes. we talked about doing the podcast was a throwback to childhood favorites. We would reread them as adults and kind of see all the reflections that we had, do some n- enjoy some nostalgia, and then see how it has um, held up or maybe not held up. And literally the first book, we were just like, we like almost instantaneously, Percy Jackson. No it has to be Percy Jackson. With the new season, with the TV <laughs> show coming out on Disney Plus, we were like, we have to refresh. We got to go back into it. And it was so freaking much fun. Um, oh my God. So... so- the first book in the series is The Lightning Thief, um, which I, it's very hard. I love the series so much. It's very hard for me to pick a favorite, but if I had to, I do think that The Lightning Thief is my favorite Percy Jackson book. That's a bold claim. That's a bold claim. But it just, it does such a phenomenal job of setting up so much Like, I think that's one of the things that I was so impressed with upon this read is like just how good of a job Rick Reardon does where you just like, you're able to pick up on a lot. Now, is some of it familiar if you've paid it like knew anything about Greek mythology? Um, If you were obsessed with it, perhaps like some of us. Us, I'm raising both my hands. (laughs) Could have been um, because of this series. Um, But yes, it's been, it was so much fun to reread it and revisit it. When was the last time that you had read The Lightning Thief? So I was thinking about it. I think it has been maybe close to 10 years um, because I remember... The Heroes of Olympus, which is the secondary series that kind of takes place in this world, those finished coming out when I was in college. Um, and I can't remember if for the last one I did an entire series reread or not, um, but I definitely know that I read them in high school. Like I read them quite a bit still in high school, but I'm not confident that I've read them since then. What about okay. you, Christy? How long has it been? Listen, I'm going to be honest. I think that I have not read them since I read them in like sixth grade. So I think it's been like 16 really? years. Um, because I'd read Continuing On kind of similar mm-hmm. in like I read like the Kane Chronicles and some other like the other um, ones of in that kind of universe, if you will. Mm-hmm. Um, but I don't know if I ever went back and reread The Lightning Thief. So I think the first time would have been when I was in like sixth grade and I read it for the first time. So it was fascinating to see how much I remembered, but also how much I did it. Yes. Um, So for our fans who uh, were not 
um, let me phrase it this way. For our fans who are popular, um, <laughs> uh, The Lightning Thief is the first book in the Percy Jackson and the Olympians series. And what the premise of the series is, is that Greek gods are alive and kicking. Mount Olympus and the Greek gods move with the heart of Western civilization. So the premise is that now they're in America. And Mount Olympus is actually above the Empire State Building. (laughs) Perfect placement for it. I love it. And the gods, as they are wont to do, like going down to Earth and finding mortals and having a little bit of fun. And sometimes babies are born. They are nothing if not consistent. They They are are nothing nothing if not not consistent consistent throughout history. And these kids are demigods. So they're half human, half God. Um, And unfortunately, because gods are real, monsters are also real. And monsters will try and hunt these demigods down. Um, So enter Camp (laughs) Half-Blood. What a place. What a place. (laughs) Camp Half-Blood is on Long Island, um, and it is a refuge for demigods to go and train uh, in, like, fighting and magic, um, and sometimes they get to go on quests. And dare I say it, is there even a grand prophecy about the end of the gods? Huh. Stunning. 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 Listen, it's so good. And I was just so impressed. There were so many bits of it that, again, I just totally forgot about. Mm -hmm. Um, Like, but I don't, I was so interested when, like, specifically reading about Camp Half Blood, like, how much I was, like, recalling the, like, mental images that I'd created when I was a kid and how I was, like, Yes. redoing that but then like almost like it was so familiar but then it was like you know new things were kind of appearing but it was still the kind of same just felt so familiar like that same in mental image and it was really fun to get a chance to revisit that and it was just amazing and how it was like boom it's right there again I can picture yes. it again. it was like I never left um oh, always welcoming you uh, home oh my god I love it it's delicious I'm getting chills um so I'm curious Christy how did you first find Percy Jackson so uh for some reason this is like a weirdly vivid memory for me I was thinking about this so my sixth grade teacher Mrs. Newell shout out to you um she was super cool she had like a life-size Yoda she would put out she was okay legit. Okay, but she had, like, of course, like, a big bookcase in the back of the room, and Percy Jackson was on the shelf. And then you'd kind of heard other kids talking about it and different things, and so I just, like, have a very vivid memory of, like, her classroom and, like, picking it from that specific shelf. So, like, not the school library or anything like that, but specifically, like, her shelf um, from that my sixth grade classroom. So that is kind of where I, like remember picking it up for the first time and then it was kind of you know i was it was all downhill from there i was fully committed <laughs> to that whole series and then obviously then i checked out the greek mythology book from the library and then yes. i became insufferable <laughs> it became my whole personality it's just how it goes but what about you indigo so i found it are you ready for this oh man i'm so ready at the Scholastic Book Fair. Oof. I think they should do book fairs for adults. That's what I want. I, I know that's just basically Barnes and Noble, but nonetheless. Yes. So I was in fourth grade and I loved the book fair. Like, obviously, no surprise. Like, we have a book podcast now, but like, the book fair was like the highlight of the year for me. 
And I remember my mom would give us money for the book fair, right? But she was very clear that it was four books. Because like at the book fair, they they sold like cute stationery and little posters and like some toys. And my mom was like, if you're going to the book fair, this money is for books, which like no sweat off my back. So I was like, oh, absolutely. Absolutely. And so it's fourth grade. I'm walking around the book fair and I'm like, what am I going to pick? And I see Percy Jackson and the Lightning Thief and the Sea of Monsters, which were the first two that were out. Like, they, none of the other ones were out yet. And so I pick them up and I read the, the back and I'm like, oh, yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> so I buy them both. I binge read both of them in like a weekend. And then I'm like, I'm like, what? I have to. I have to wait. <laughs> and so it's so funny because I have a vivid memory. Um, when I was a kid at the grocery store, I would like beg my mom to buy me like the little Disney magazine. Mm-hmm. You know, it was like the size of a TV guide, <laughs> like a Nasty. little pocketbook. And I was like desperate for her to buy me those. And sometimes she would. And I remember she bought me one and I was flipping through it and I saw a release announcement for the Titans curse, which is the third Percy Jackson book. And so I was like so excited. And from there on, you know, then I was just like completely hooked. Um, and yeah, it set a whole trajectory for my life. <laughs> it's amazing how books could do that. Oh my goodness. Yeah. So, I mean, diving into this reread, first reread in a decade and over a decade, what were your thoughts? What was it like to dive back in? So I think the thing that stood out to me the most is obviously when I first read these books, I was like eight or nine, right? So Percy was older than me when I read Mm -hmm. these books. And he was always kind of like the same age as me as I was reading them. So I never like, I was just like, yeah, this totally tracks. But now being like 26, I'm reading this. I'm like, this is a 12 year old. He's tiny. He's a child. He should be in daycare. Why does he have a sword? (laughs) And especially like seeing the casting for the TV show. I think that's what really cemented it for me because like when they did, when they did the movies, when they tried to do the movies, they cast Logan Lerman. Started on the movies. Okay. Yeah. Don't get us started on the movies, but Logan Lerman was like 16 right when they started automatically knew that that's like that movie series Mm -hmm. was doomed like you knew that immediately because he was so much older Mm -hmm. and like there was just so much that needed to happen at before he was like a full-grown adult Mm -hmm. and so you just knew immediately like as soon as i heard that announcement like i literally was like this is not going to be good like it is going to be terrible he's not the right age like Well, that's a whole like great, but like you knew you knew it wasn't set up for success because Because yeah, reading it upon you realize how that is wild that he was only twelve, but also you recognize how important that is to the story. So important to the story, like he needs Um, to be that age for like some of the wonder that hits, but also some of the like. I feel like some of his like sass and attitude and fearlessness is such like a younger kid thing. You know what I mean? And And like like, his uh, adaptability and his malleability that he's like, okay, yeah, I can do this. Like, I feel like it would be a lot harder um, for a 16 year old to grasp. But yeah, I think that was super interesting. I also Mm -hmm. think it makes some of the other characters even more 
like it matters so much more. Like Luke hits so much different. He does. Percy is twelve, and so like Annabeth is twelve. Like mm-hmm. the power dynamics that are at play there, the like everything that goes down, like that. Luke it's so is, much different. He's like twenty one, right? Like, he's older, yeah, yeah. Um, and so he's he's very much this like mentor person. I I thought it was so interesting, like reading this. I feel like first books can kind of fall like sometimes they get too caught up in trying to set the series, you know, like in trying to build the world and set the series. And I feel like the lightning thief does a perfect job because it gives us like the info that you need to know. And then it's like, okay, and now this character is in this space and let's see how it goes. Mm hmm. Mm hmm. Absolutely. I do think that, yeah, there's so much good like world building, but it's also like not explaining it as much. Like it's, it's built into kind of the story where all of a sudden like they're in a spot and then you learn so mm-hmm. many different things. Um, I also just thought it was interesting because I like reading it back. I think I just found it so interesting. Like their random little stops along the <laughs> way, like, and how they like fit in, but they're also so random. Um, it's it worked, incredible. It's so random. Like rereading the uh, Lotus, uh, the like, Lotus Casino and Hotel. Like, rereading that scene it's like it's so random because like they go in there right and then it's just like oh no we've just lost these days um but also at the same time all i could hear was like poker face poker face but that scene is that scene, iconic, blah, okay? blah. It's camp, it works it's fine um but it yes i like had forgotten kind of all about like not so you can't forget about the lotus scene but like some of those other little ones along the way that it was kind of like oh my gosh right like all of these things have to happen until they get to the final goal there i think my favorite sidetrack like scene that we get is when they're in i want to say denver i think they're in denver and they're they get approached by aries and he wants to send them on a side quest to an abandoned water park um that scene is so good. And I also love like the introduction of Aries because like they have this rivalry and this was another thing. Like they have this rivalry and like they have a big fight. Right. And as a kid reading it, I was like, yeah, this totally tracks. But seeing the casting of a 12 year old boy and a WWE professional wrestler. Freaking amazing. I can't wait to watch that because, like, watching it is, like, crazy because mm-hmm. I'm at 12 years old. I would have never done any of this. No. But, you know. My – I love it. Percy is, like – I feel like he's the definition of, like, fuck around and find out. Both, like, for him – for him fucking around and finding out, but also for people like fucking around with him and then finding out. Percy is like, he, he is the mold. Percy Jackson is the mold. <laughs> Absolutely. Absolutely. It's just, it was so much fun to like read it and watch him like just immediately be like, yeah, I'm going to go fight Ares. Like, he's just like, I'm going to bring, he's like, I know, like, I just also love his self-awareness, specifically mm-hmm. in the Ares scene, because he's like, I know that it's just being around him that's making me so mad, but also, I want to fight him. And they're <laughs> like, so Annabeth is like, please stop pissing off the gods. Like, I'm my, begging you to stop that, pissing off the gods. That is one of my favorite things that it starts in this book and, like, just continues and arguably gets, like, even worse as the series goes on. <laughs> but Percy from the get 
get-go, like all of the other characters and all of like the mentors, they're all like, you shouldn't anger the gods. Like they're all powerful. Like you shouldn't even say their names. And Percy's like calling them out by name. He's like, hey, hey, Zeus. Hey, hey, fuck you. <laughs> I'm going to fly in this plane. I'm going to fly in this plane. <laughs> I'm going to fly in this what plane. What are you going to do about it? What are you <laughs> Try me. About it? Try me. And then he's like, I'm 12 years old and I just met the god of war and I just pissed him off. I'm going to fight him. Yep, I love that so much. And I think it makes it so great because then, like, when you have kind of his antithesis of, like, Luke, who has a lot of the same frustrations mm-hmm. with the gods that Percy has, but Percy just kind of challenges them head on and just kind of like is, like, mm-hmm. unfazed by their their power and, like, holds them ac- wants to hold them accountable and challenge them. While Luke has that, like, he is also incredibly frustrated with his godly parent and is frustrated with the gods, and he takes it out by then joining the dark side, Mm -hmm. if you will. Um, And I think that's so interesting that you've kind of got these characters that have so like such valid frustrations Mm -hmm. with the gods and they go in different directions. Like Percy is like, I'm going to own it. I'm going to be upfront about it. I'm going to go after the gods. Like I'm going to do their bidding, but I'm not going to be happy about it. This quest Mm -hmm. is garbage and I, I have to do it, but this is stupid. While like Luke is like, Oh, I got, you know, cast aside and I'm I'm going to, I'm going to bring about a reckoning. Because Um, I'm clearly special and totally not being used. It's fine. So Luke is like, I'm going to bring about a reckoning. And Percy is like, I am the reckoning. <laughs> He's literally like, I've been there, done that. Like, I pissed off four gods just to get to this point where you can attempt to try to kill me, bro. Like, what do you want from me? My, okay. I think my, I have a couple favorite scenes, and I want to, I want to shout them out. And I think one is a perfect example. Um, one of their very early stops is at Auntie M's Garden Gnome Emporium. Yes, <laughs> I love that. I love it so much. And it turns out that Auntie M is Auntie letter m medusa (laughs) and so they end up fighting medusa it's fantastic grover's flying around with flying shoes like try like blindfolded trying to hit her percy picks up like one of those one of those like decorative wavy glass balls and he's using that to try and see her (laughs) and so they defeat medusa and her head is a spoil of war and percy is so frustrated because they literally just started their journey and they were supposed to like have a bus ride like it was supposed to be like clean and convenient but the gods sent some of their minions after percy and like derailed the whole thing and then they had to fight medusa um and so percy (laughs) boxes up medusa's head and sends it to mount olympus to the gods like signed percy jackson (laughs) he writes best wishes percy jackson (laughs) <laughs> he's, he's, he's so sassy he's, he's so, so sassy, sassy. I, mean, I think that's what makes him such a great character because you get so many like i feel like what i what i love about percy jackson especially in this book is you get all of his flaws mm-hmm. right like you get all of the things that could be seen as character flaws but they ultimately end up helping him they're what mm-hmm. make him so successful and it starts from like what you learn is, I mean, kind of the traits of um, half uh, half bloods, where they have like dyslexia as well as like ADHD. But then it turns out that these things that he's been looked down upon, or that have been like caused him all these problems, like in school and different things. And it turns out that it's like 
perfect for battle, mm-hmm. right? And he's able to use them. He just knows all of this stuff. He's able to immediately go into sword fighting um, and all of these things. And so I just, I love that about him because it's yes. like, what a fun character to read where like he is, has all these things that like society and even in the book, mm-hmm. like the school and all these people tell him that it's like wrong with him. And then it turns mm-hmm. out that he's like, I mean, I'm, he's obviously the hero of the story. And I love that. It's so great. Um, and a, a tangent on that. Uh, so one of the key things about half-bloods is they have dyslexia because their brains are hardwired for ancient Greek, mm-hmm. but they also have ADHD because of their battlefield reflexes and their need to like survive in fast-paced environments. And what is so funny to me is when I was reading this as a kid, I didn't know I had ADHD. And so I'm reading all this stuff and I'm like, yeah, this totally tracks. This makes sense. Like, yeah, I get it, dude. Like, and I was like, like I was, wow. I was like, this is so relatable. Weird. I'm just gonna not consider that. <laughs> Be like, am I am I a half blood? <laughs> am I am I a half blood? <laughs> so yeah, so I loved that. Um, I do think there are two things that we should probably shout out uh, that have come to light. Well, one that have come to light because of TikTok. So the first one is... The scholars. Uh, <laughs> I read it somewhere. <laughs> um, from a, a major academic peer-reviewed article. I think I read it in like a news article. Like, I don't know, like the New York oh, Times. Yeah. Like New York, a Washington Post. Um, so the first one is the scene when Aries pulls up, he's on a motorcycle and it's huge, right? And Percy Jackson remarks that... The like seat of the bike is leather, but it's Caucasian human skin. Yes, I did not dwell on that line enough when I was a kid. No. I that. And I read I, that again, and I was like, "Oh, okay." I read that at, at eight years old, and I was like, "Fair enough." I mean, as you do, as you do, <laughs> it's fine. It's fine. So that's one, and then the second one. We got to talk about the St. Louis Arch. Dude. That, <laughs> it is. It's one. It's such a fun scene. And I really liked that scene as a kid. It's, because I Oh, think, I loved it. Like when I look at a lot of the books that I read as a kid, like at the time I was super into Harry Potter. And so a lot of these places were like unattainable places. Like they were fictional or they were mm-hmm. based in, in another country. I could not. I had never gone. I, you know, I wasn't going to be able to go to uh, or in all these things. But this book, let me tell you, for the Midwesterners, all right, oh, I had yes. been to March, all right? So, um, and I was like, this is cool as heck because I had been there. And so that was like something that I think was so much fun as a kid because that was, I think, like one of the first like times that I've been like, oh my gosh, I've, I know, like I can picture it. I've been there. I know this. Um, I love that. And so in the scene with the arch, I, I don't want to spoil too much. There's a monster. Read the book. Oh my God. <laughs> yeah, this came out. Hold on. Hold on. Let me. You can't spoil a book that's been out for this long and already has a movie out and there's another TV series about it. I got bad okay. news. It's been out for 17 years. I'm not putting a spoiler warning on this. You all should just know. (laughs) So they're at the top of the St. Louis Arch. And Annabeth and Grover go down in the elevator first. And Percy's left up there with like a family. And then a woman and her chihuahua. Psych, (laughs) it's not a chihuahua at all. It is a monster. They fight. He, It's a chimera. 
So it blows fire, it melts the St. Louis Arch, and then chimeras have a tail that is like a diamondback snake, and Percy, he gets bit by the snake, and he's getting poisoned, and he jumps out of the arch and into the Mississippi River. But the thing that is so funny is that the St. Louis Arch does not go over the Mississippi River. No, it does not. And Rick Riordan has commented on this, that when he was writing that scene, he literally looked at some pictures and was like, fair enough. He he didn't research it at all. So I felt the need to shout those out. Um, I think another thing that stood out to me reading this as an adult is the idea of the mist. Mm-hmm. I love that. So in Percy Jackson, there's this thing called the mist where when mortals are faced with like monsters or gods or demigods, like anything mythological, like they can't process it. So they don't see it. Um, and I love that because like in Harry Potter, it doesn't work that way. And so there's this whole thing about like the statute of secrecy and that you can't you can't expose magic to the muggles. Like it'll just be a mess. And I love that Percy Jackson's like, I can't see it anyways. Here's my sword. Dude, and like the way I love too that they feature so many scenes where they like, they're clearly fighting in front of people in very public areas. And then you get to hear like what the news says about it. That like, is, was my favorite thing. With like Aries and him being like, there's a gun. It was a kidnapping and all of these things. And he's like, a gun? He's like holding his little, he's like, what the <laughs> heck are you talking about? Um, and that is, it, that is to me one of the funniest parts is like when they're like, here's this outland thing that we've made up because we did not see an actual fight go down in this way yeah also yeah. smelly gabe i forgot oh about my gabe. god well i and- forgot about like i literally forgot his character oh existed god. and awful. I, he is awful and i love the like redemption in mm-hmm. the end it makes it all worth it truly i mean even percy jackson where he's like <sighs> Oh my god, like when he's like rescued, right? And he's like, Well, I know that he would be so happy to, you know, for everybody for all their help. So if you just want to call his store, I'm sure he'd be happy to give you a free appliance. Percy Jackson is such a little shit, and I love him for it so he much. So good. Um, it was just like the shit, like perfect moment to like dunk on him. It was so, so, so great. Well, and one of the things I think that stood out to me reading this as an adult, when I was a kid and I read about smelly gabe i'm like oh yeah he sucks oh that's awful but now i'm like what must sally's life have been like dude it's dealing so with him and you realize like i think i have such a bitter appreciation for sally's character this this second time around mm-hmm. because my focus was not just like solely on percy and i really got to digest like sally and gabe's relationship and how terrible it is but mm-hmm. also the sacrifice like how she must have known like they t- they say it in the book they name it but i just you know Mm-hmm. cool kid has sword um and so like they actually name his like the fact that like he was smelly game for a reason like mm-hmm. he was covering up him and so she was suffering through this because it was keeping percy safe mm-hmm. um and i just thought that was such like a, a powerful thing to like yeah here he's just like well, why does she keep suffering through this like he's so mm-hmm. terrible and even as a reader you're like yeah what the heck and then you find out that it's because he would like she was actively 
protecting you and was protecting Percy the whole time. Well, and one of the things that I love is that Percy had an inkling, right, about how awful his stepfather was, but he didn't know the full extent of it until like the end. And Mm -hmm. what I love is that Percy wants to save his mom. Like he wants to rescue her. um, But he has this like incredible moment of clarity where he's like, where he realizes she wants to rescue herself. And so Mm -hmm. he, he gives her the tools to rescue herself. And he's like, it is your decision. Like you made this choice and you have lived this life to protect me. I am not going to dictate to you what to do. Like I I'm giving you this option and like, if you want to use it, great. If not, great. Yeah. I mean, I love that moment too, because I think it shows so much of Percy Jackson's like character, like as a, as a person, like, even though he's of course a kid, like he's, he's had to grow up so fast because of everything that he's been through um, and his struggles. And then ultimately of course, having to become the chosen one essentially to go complete a super dangerous murderous quest. Uh, It's fine. Um, But I think that was such a cool moment because yeah, it really, it showcases how he is and like almost like the growth that he has experienced from kind of when we meet, him to now um and that kind of like almost like restraint like he knows what he could do um but he also knows and like trusts and loves his mom enough to know that like she can also take care of herself as well and i think that was a really cool moment (laughs) yeah plus it's Um, hilarious like it's um, it's so good it's so good it's incredible um and i love so we've talked a lot about like how percy is sassy and he's petty but one like thing shown out to me like I I noticed it when I was a kid but now as a petty adult I like see how beautiful it is that he gets a lot of that from his mom there's a whole like one of Percy's defining character traits is that he eats blue food and it's because Gabe one time said to Sally that there's no such thing as blue food and then Sally went out of her way to To make make everything blue that she could She is really the queen. And I love that so much that like, yeah, she is sassy. So is Percy. And Percy's sass, I also think I had a much oh greater God. appreciation for this time yes. around. He's so funny. And I, he's so sassy. And it's so fun to read. It's so I, great. I think I didn't like catch it as a kid. Like in the fandom, um, people will love to like call out some of his, Percy's sassy moments and call it a per-sassy moment. <laughs> And I feel like I didn't catch it as a kid. And now as an adult, I'm like, yes, 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 yes. Yes, I did not appreciate or really pay much attention to his sass and attitude. Um, And so that is definitely something that has been so much more fun on this reread of it, is getting to fully appreciate his sarcasm, the kind of like dry sense of humor comments that he makes, and just his absolute sass and attitude. Like, that was truly, I think, for me, one of the highlights of like rereading this again for the first time in like freaking forever. Yeah. I completely agree. Um, do you have any closing thoughts? Um, yes, I think overall it was if this book holds up very well. I think I was really impressed with like the fact that it is 17 years old and it doesn't feel that way. And I think there's a lot of like probably really great choices that Rick Reardon made where it it doesn't feel dated. Like there's not mm-hmm. a lot of use of like 
kind of like modern technology or things for it to feel dated. And so I love that it just feels like a very timeless story. I think that's what I was really impressed by is like, I can picture it as if it were happening now. Um, And that was really fun. And I love getting to like now knowing what ends up happening with like Percy or with Percy Beth. Um, (laughs) Love like getting to see the early stages of their relationship again. Yes. Like I've forgotten that he, like she is like the first person that he meets. And that was like kind of a fun moment. And I really appreciated that. And then we got to hear the first seaweed brain. And I was like, oh, incredible. The first wise girl. Yes. Oh, I was so, so much fun. I love their banter. Um, it was fun to really like revisit Grover. Um, yes. as well. like it was just fun to get to see them again in this kind of early stages. And it was fun to get to, to kind of rehash everything, relearn everything again, but also to have like that reflection of knowing like where they're going to be and getting to really appreciate who they are when they start. Um, yeah. so yeah, it was so much fun to reread it. It was, it was a blast. It was a wonderful blast from the past. So really appreciated the, the nostalgia energy. And I am so pumped for this freaking TV show. I, I completely, you Indigo. I completely agree. I think that it absolutely holds up. Um, um, and yeah, like it's timeless and it really does like reading it is nostalgia. It feels like coming home. Um, and I, like, I think I'm going to, like, continue on with this series. Like, I think I'm going to keep the rest of the series. Like, they're just such a blast. Like, and I know we've talked a lot about how, like, reading is an escape. Um, and I'm surprised, like, this was definitely an escape, but I'm surprised at how adult some of the, like, the themes are and, like, mm-hmm. how much meat there is to chew on some of these themes and some of these scenes. Um, and so I think that, like, while it's a, a book written for kids, it's, like, still really engaging and really, like, still makes you think when you read it as an adult. Um, and I'm really excited to see what they do with the TV show because I think that's, there's so much more, like, there's so much room to show this visually. Mm-hmm. Um mm-hmm. And I'm really excited that Rick Riordan is consulting on it because you know that he's going to like stay true. Yep. I'm super, I'm super excited about it. I'm really excited to kind of come into it with having like a fresh view. I say coming into it as if the show is like ready to premiere. (laughs) Uh, We're just that excited. Okay. Um, So yes, it's, it's a fun reread. If you have not already read it, you should absolutely read it before the show comes out. Um, It is so much fun. And even as like an adult, I still found so much enjoyment of it. Like it didn't even really, like, it doesn't feel like you're like, oh my gosh, I'm reading something for children. Like, I again, you named it. There's really awesome themes that are really powerful and really, I think, hit different because you read it as an adult. Mm-hmm. Um, I think as a kid, I was so focused on, like, the, the journey. Like, I wasn't, the you know, adventure. it just goes right over your head, mm-hmm. right? Because you're just like, ooh, cool. Um, and so I think there's something so special about getting to reread it um, as an adult and get to actually fully appreciate all of the layers to the story. Um, And if it was your first time reading it, then you get to get all of that in one big bite. And that's super great. Yes. Um, And also like a fun tidbit that Christy and I were talking about. Um, So there's two sets of covers for these books. So there's the OG covers, like the original covers. Um, And then after the whole series was published, they like released this new set of covers and I didn't realize that they had stopped producing the original ones. And at that point, they moved forward with only producing the new ones. And the original cover art has become a hot 
commodity. Dude, people are obsessed with it. Like they're mad that they have to like go digging so much for those OG covers. I found this out from TikTok and um, I went and I- I saw it in an article, I swear. Yes, (laughs) academic source, (laughs) boink. Um, And I went and I looked and people are like getting retired copies from public libraries and like peeling the library stickers off of them to like have this original cover art. Um, And it's wild to me because I've got... So a little bit of a flex, like, okay, okay. I've got two sets of the books. So I've got my original ones that I read. And um, I actually, for this reread, decided for the sake of its integrity, not to read my original copy of The Lightning (laughs) Thief because it's a paperback. It is busted. It is so busted. I like it. Well loved and well well read. Like the spine is detaching. You can see where I scotch taped the spine back on. Like it is well loved. But so I've got um, my original set where the first two are paperback and then the last three are hardback. But then also, shout out to my mom. Um, my mom was a teacher. Avid listener of this podcast. Hello. Avid, avid listener of this podcast. Hi, mom. Hi, mom. <laughs> um, she was a teacher and in her classroom library, because I love Percy Jackson so much, she bought a set. But she got like... Uh, the fancy teacher set and so all five are in hardback and they're in this little like cardboard chest so like you open up the chest and then you've got all five of the Percy Jacksons in hardback and they've got the OG cover art so I you know like a little bit of a flex like very niche community flex but I have two sets of the OG artwork. We love a good flex, though. Um, so um, thank you for joining us for a little flashback, a little throwback, <laughs> if you will. Um, if there are other childhood series you think we should check out, I mean, let us know. We want to we wanna dive back into the nostalgia. Um, we love a good blast from the past. Well, let and know. let me just tell you, don't think that Christy is going to make it through this podcast unscathed. I'm right there with you, listeners. I'm going to make her read Twilight. Listen, I've never done it. <laughs> You're I've gonna. never read it. I, but listen, I think it's going to be so interesting because I... Okay, so like a little bit about me. I <laughs> loved Twilight. Um, no. And for a while, I like... I thought I was so cool because I had read it so many times that I could open the page. I could open the book to any page, read a single line, and tell you exactly what was happening in the book. Not to be dramatic, but we've said a lot that you and I would have been friends in high school. But I want to make this abundantly clear. We would not have been friends in middle school. I hated Twilight. I never read it. I didn't know anything about it. But I was such a diehard Harry Potter fan that I was like, I thought it was so annoying that people were like Twilight fans when Harry Potter was like right there. Um, And I used to like... I used to act as like when people were like, if it was like in the classroom bookshelf or whatever, and people pointed it out to me, I would act as if I had like a flamethrower and I was like burning it. I was so extra, okay? I was committed to the anti-Twilight bit. Like that was a personality trait of mine was anti-Twilight. Except I have not even seen the movies. Okay. But I have to tell you one, my, my darkest secret 
I watched the baseball scene <laughs> on YouTube and thought it was the coolest thing I'd ever seen. Okay. So while it did not convince me to watch the movies, I did absolutely like that scene and watch it multiple times. That is incredible. <laughs> no, I was like so big into Twilight and in the books, I was very team Edward. But in the movies, I thought Taylor Lautner was hot. I thought he was hotter than fair. Robert Pattinson. That's a fair point. So in the movies, I was Team Jacob. And in eighth grade, I did the talent show. And we sang I Love Rock and Roll. <laughs> but for the talent show, we didn't have to wear our uniforms. We could dress out. So I wore my Team Jacob t-shirt. For the talent show in eighth grade. So just in case you weren't 100% sure, you are listening to Certified Cool Kids, okay? Um, <laughs> we are Certified popular, cool kids. Um, And school and totally were never bullied. Absolutely never bullied. Don't let never anybody won. tell you otherwise. <laughs> <laughs> so maybe, maybe down the line, I could be persuaded. But if there's other series, let us know. Um, we'll take a quick little break and then we'll be back for some last now next. <laughs> All right, we are back. Um, to wrap up with a fun segment, Last Now Next. And since it's been a little bit, we've got some fun books that we get to share. So Indigo, I would love more than anything for you to share with our audience what your last book was. Okay. We have um, talked about this pretty extensively. Um, so my last read was The Seven Husbands of Evelyn Hugo by Taylor Jenkins Reid. Um, I read this for my book club, which I don't think I had joined a book club the last time we did an episode. So surprise, I'm in a book club. Um, and I read this. I'd had it on my shelf forever. Uh, and the premise of The Seven Husbands of Evelyn Hugo is that our main character is Monique Grant, and she is an up-and-coming journalist. But she's kind of writing, like, fluff pieces every day at her job at a magazine. And then one day, her boss comes in and is like, hey, you know, Hollywood 50s movie star Evelyn Hugo has requested to do an article with us, and she wants you to write it. And so from there... Monique goes over to Evelyn's very chic townhouse um, and Evelyn reveals like, psych, actually, I want you to write my biography. Um, and so the book is broken up. It's Evelyn's story broken up into each of her seven husbands. Um, and we get to find out about her life. And there's a couple twists. Um, and I really enjoyed it. It is all over bookstagram book talk book it's like, booming this so. is a very 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 buzzy book um and potentially controversial opinion i thought it was fine i liked it just fine um i feel like the book was so busy trying to tell its story that it forgot to like give the characters. So I feel like the characters were kind of like surface level. Um, and there wasn't a lot to like chew on. It was very mm -hmm. entertaining. I read it very quickly, um, but it wasn't very deep. 
Yes, I think that's a totally fair thing. It's a fun read. It's super entertaining. But yeah, it's not really giving you a ton to think about. Even like the heavier themes in the book, Mm -hmm. like they don't spend that much time on, truthfully. So, but yes, you finally have joined the ranks of BookTok and Book Instagram. You've finally done it. So, Christy, what was your last read? Um, I also, my last read was for book club. We're not in the same book club, but it is a book club nonetheless. Uh, so I read Seven Days in June by Tia Williams, um, which was, it was very good. The main characters, like it's kind of a romance book, um, but not like a, like a rom-com. Like it's a little heavier than that, uh, is what I would say. But the, the, like the, the chemistry between the two main characters, um, is so good. Like it is some of my favorite, they have this like shared history, um, that is just really, really cool. We have Ava and Shane. So they actually met when they were in high school and they have this like very intense seven days. Um, and it is like full of like lust and love as like a teenager, right? It's very heightened emotions, very strong. And then, things happen. I don't want to spoil things. Um, But then they basically do not see each other again for a long time, but they're both become published authors. And you figure out pretty quickly in the book that they're actually like, they have written each other in each other's stories. And so they have this moment where they like meet accidentally at this like book panel. And so he's like in the audience and they like realize who he is. Cause he's this like renowned author. They like bring him on stage and she writes like, uh, like vampire romance, like stuff. And so he's this like renowned author who writes about these like really troubled teens and this hardship, but he like pops off about her book and everybody in the room can just like feel and you as a reader can feel the electricity between them. So, um, their chemistry is really fun. It's really, really fun to see like that kind of like real, like old love, like old spark, old flame come back. Um, so that was a fun one. That was a good one to read. It's a, it's definitely not like a normal rom-com, but it has some really strong characters. Um, and so it was just a really, really kind of fun read. I definitely read through it pretty quickly. Nice. Well, and you all know here at Let's Get Liddy, we love a book about books. We love a book about authors. That we do. That we do. And also like uh, them writing about each other. There's this scene that is single-handedly the greatest scene. Um, It's not really a spoiler because it doesn't spoil any plot things, but they like, he like, she goes in to kind of like shake his hand slash kind of sort of hug him. And she like whispers in his ear and she's like, stop writing about me. And he's like, (gasps) You first. Oh, stop it. I know. So that was okay. that was super, super good. So it was. It wasn't quite what I expected, but it was a it was a really solid read for sure. So what's uh what's on your plate currently, Indigo? So currently I am reading The City in the Middle of the Night by Charlie Jane Anders. Um, and it's a sci-fi book, which after The Seven Husbands of Evelyn Hugo, I was like, okay, I need a change of pace from contemporary fiction. Um, and so The City in the Middle of the Night takes place on a colonized planet called January. Um, and what you need to know about January is it is locked. It does not have a rotation. So one side of the planet is always facing the sun and one side of the planet is always facing away. So both sides, like the planet is almost entirely inhospitable because one side is a frozen wasteland and the other side, like you will get burned to death. 
but there is a very mild temperate zone. And that is where humanity has settled, living in this temperate zone. And there are two characters that we follow. One is like a young girl from a rural area that moved to the big city to go to school. And she gets caught up in like a little bit of a revolution. And she gets exiled outside the walls into the frozen wasteland. And there she meets some of the native life to the planet. Her life is saved and she goes back into the city um, and is like, okay, I'm going to hide from the cops. But she keeps going out and meeting what they call crocodiles um, and meeting Rose, who shows her like the ways that they have Colin, like how they survive on this ice planet. Um, and then we also follow Mouth, who is a smuggler who walks goods from one city to another because um, the cities have, like, there was a war and so they don't trade anymore. And so the couriers, mm-hmm, so the couriers take some of the specialty items from one city and walk it through the frozen wasteland to the other city and sell it and then go back. Interesting. Um, Okay. Okay. Yeah. So it's really interesting. Um, Where I'm at right now is we're kind of setting the scene and the government is like super regimented because like this, because the planet doesn't turn, they have to like simulate nightfall um, and it's super strict. They've got all these different types of currency. And so it's like ripe for a revolution incredible incredible i'm super curious to hear what you think about it um i feel like i'm always curious to hear what people think when they read like certain like kind of sci-fi fantasy situations because there's so many pieces of it that like need to work so i'm super curious to see (laughs) what you think on this one i'm excited this is one that's been on my shelf for like a hot minute (laughs) christy what are you currently reading so I'm currently reading um, Black Cake by uh, Charmaine Wilkerson. Um, and I went into it pretty blind. Truthfully, I liked the cover. And so that was <laughs> enough for me uh, to pick it. I believe I got it in a book of the month box. So it's about, there's a lot of pieces to it. So um, it's about two siblings, um, B and B, Benny and Byron. Their mom has just passed away. And they're like her parting, her last thing in her her will, her, the lawyer is like, you have to sit down and listen to this recording. And so the mom recorded basically her life story for the two of them. And then you find out there's this whole life that the mom lived that the kids had no idea about. So they're both, they're all grown adults now. They're like the two, her uh, two kids are in their thirties. Um, but it's like fascinating because it's all of this like lore of their mom's life um, that they had no idea about. Um, and they're sh- like, and she's sharing it now. And it's been really interesting because you see like the, like things click for the like her children to be like oh like that's why this is but also at the same time like they also find themselves like relating to her but also at the same time like can find themselves distancing from her because it's this whole lie that her both of their parents like kept that they didn't know any of this until she had passed away um so it kind of bounces around between like current day as they're hearing that um with the the 
children, like hearing it and like having to come to terms with it. And then it goes back to her life from uh, basically how they got to where they are. So it starts out like you learn that the mom is from the Caribbean and you get to hear like this whole story that she goes on, like getting like having to leave to go to England, having to be in hiding, having to go to Edinburgh, making her way to the States. Like there's just these, this crazy um, difficult journey that she went on and her kids had no idea. They just thought that they were like her and her dad were just like this happy couple. And they were like, you know, doing like kind of the quote unquote American dream, you know, of like immigration and didn't know any of the past. So it's been kind of interesting because you get to learn with her children. Like you get to learn, learn all that information alongside them. So it's been fun so far. I've, I've enjoyed it. Exciting. I'm excited to hear what you think about it when you finish it. Me too. I'm curious to see how it wraps up because I'm about just over halfway through and some of the bigger secrets have like come out. And so I'm kind of getting to the point where I'm like, where's this going to (laughs) go? I'm liking it, but where are you going from here? So stay tuned. Stay tuned. Yeah. It's super funny because Christy marked that she had started reading this. um, And I was losing my mind because I also got it from book of the month. And like in the last two weeks, I pulled it off my shelf and like put it in my stack to like read in the next month. So like after I get kind of through like some of my speculative fiction um that's my next read and so it was so funny to me that we were like on the same wavelength about reading this book (laughs) but indigo what's what's next for you so my next read is Legends and Lattes by Travis Baldry. Shut up. I cannot wait to hear what you think of this book. Oh my gosh. I see that all over my For You page. Shut up. I'm so freaking excited. I am so excited to read this book. Like one of the reader communities that I'm in, this book is like huge. Um, And so what the concept is, what it literally says on the cover is high fantasy, low stakes. And what it is, is like, it's a fantasy book. And our main character is an orc warrior who decides she doesn't want to fight anymore. And so she gives it up and she opens a coffee shop. Oh my God. <laughs> and so it's I'm like, obsessed. It's like low stakes, cozy fantasy read. Um, so I am so excited <laughs> to read it. <laughs> Dude, I cannot wait to hear what you think about it. I'm so freaking excited. I'm so (laughs) glad you're reading that one. Oh my gosh. So Christy, what is your next read? Well, if the hold comes in from the library, (laughs) which, you know, may the odds be ever in my favor. Um, If the hold comes in from the library, then I'm going to read Legend Born by Tracy Dion. I have seen this everywhere all over my tiktok i feel like and so it is a fantasy ya um and so i'm gonna like read a little bit of the synopsis for you Um, after her mother dies in an accident 16 year old brie matthews wants nothing to do with her family members or childhood home a residential program for bright high schoolers at unc chapel hill seems like the perfect escape until brie witnesses a magical attack her very first night on campus a flying demon feeding on human energies a, se- a secret society of so-called legend-born students that hunt the creature down an mysterious teenage mage who calls himself a merlin and who attempts and fails to wipe breeze memories of everything that she saw 
So it continues on from there, but that's like the premise. And I'm super interested in it. I've seen it everywhere. I've heard really, really good things about it. I have too. Dude, it has a 4.41. What? 86,000 ratings. What? I am super interested. Um, I'm really curious to see if it's as amazing as everyone hypes it up to be, Um, but I am super pumped about it. So... Fingers crossed that people turn their books back in. Fingers crossed. I'm, I really hope that this works out because I am so curious. Like, I'm so curious. I, I love that we both picked books that were like, oh my God, read it right now. I need to <laughs> actually stop reading what you're reading currently and go And actually just instead. jump into this other one. Where did it go from But thank you so much for joining us today. Thank you for rehashing some wonderful childhood nostalgia and looking forward to all the books that we're going to read. Indigo, where can they find you to be updated on all your wonderful reads? You can find me on Instagram at read.with.indie. And don't be discouraged if I have not posted recently. I'm just kind of terrible about posting right now. (laughs) Hey, the life of a creator. What can you say? say? Christy, where can they find you? Um, They can find me on book Instagram at Christy.reads, K-R-I-S-T-Y dot reads. And you can follow the podcast itself on Instagram and TikTok at let's get get let's get litty pod um to get all the most up-to-date things um and then of course to share with your friends if you follow us on tiktok and instagram you'll get some fun little sneak peek clips of the show some fun behind the scenes so uh, follow us on there if you liked what you heard give us a five-star rating that of course helps support us we'd love that um so huge shout out to those that have but definitely rate us if you have not already share us with your friends and hit us up if there's certain books and things that we should be talking about yes um, what were some of your your childhood favorites like let (laughs) us know we'd love to read them absolutely so thanks for joining us and you'll see us maybe consistently in the future fingers crossed (laughs) (laughs) to one last little cheers cheers Cheers. little clink to (laughs) air